here we go. Hello everyone and welcome back to my channel. So today I'm very excited because to my left and your right, we have my dad, Mr. Dirk Mullinger. You can say hi, dad. Hi, dad. Hi, that was, that was a Logan moment. So I'm very excited today, not only to be sitting down and just talking to my dad, getting this on camera, um, but this is, are you crying? Yes. You're already crying? <laughs> you just, <laughs> we just hit record. No crying yet. It's not allowed. No, you can cry. That's fine. Okay. But it's emotional and you'll hear, you'll hear why if the title hasn't already given it away. I mean, besides the fact that we're getting to sit and talk, which is probably partially why he's crying, mm -hmm. but partially just probably the topic would be my guess a little too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have this conversation with him. Uh, and I'm also excited because I have not sat down and recorded a tea talk with anyone in a year um, since everything unfolded and I just kind of had to tap the brakes. We moved away. All of the craziness ensued that you guys know ensued. That's the way to put that. And I just haven't gotten to it. And so in the last like month or so, I've been brainstorming, you know, okay, I really want to do this again. I want to have these conversations. And my dad had been on my mind for just having a conversation. And actually, as I laid it out, I'm like, he's the, I think the first one I want to talk to. So you're kicking off my tea talk return with this conversation today. And I'm really glad that you said yes. Cause Thanks. it's intimate as you can tell by the title. And if you haven't looked at the title, I think I'm going to call it something like from atheist to Christian. Yes. And I really wanted to talk to you about this because I feel like you know, we live in a day and age now where people are deconstructing, tearing their faith apart. Mm -hmm. um, and also on top of that, like almost aside from that, I don't feel like I know a ton of adults at this point that converted to Christianity as an adult, that found faith that, that yeah, I mean, that's the way to put it, converted to Christianity as an adult. Um, and on top of that... D doesn't come from a, like you don't come from a Christian family or really a religious family right. at all. Right. And so I just find that very interesting. I spent a lot of time listening to different kinds of podcasts, religious podcasts, but also secular podcasts of people and their deconstruction. And I always have these thoughts and questions back. And so I just wanted to sit and talk to him about this today. So, so tell me again, what does deconstruction mean? Deconstruction is when someone basically deconstructs their faith. So sometimes someone... Like for analysis? Or yeah, for... like they'll analyze it and they'll, they'll deconstruct it, but then at the end, they're not a believer. So that's what wow, deconstruction okay. is. And deconstruction is something on the internet that has really... Um, it's like a... It's a big... There's a big movement behind it. Lots of people deconstructing. There's actually two YouTubers that did a whole series about it over the last couple of years. Um, and they just kind of explained to you why. So it's deconstructed because they've constructed their faith, but then they're tearing it down kind of one point at a wow. time through different things that they're processing. And I find it really interesting, you know, um, I'm not going to go off on a whole tangent because also this is a conversation with you, but I like hearing, you know, people's different perspectives. So point being, I really admire my dad. Um, and I have heard so much from my mother and from him, how different of a human he supposedly was prior to finding Christ, to finding God. And so I don't really know where this conversation is going to go. But like I said, I just find, I wanted to hear more from you. Yeah. So, um, why don't we start off, I guess, just a little background. Where are you from? What was your kind of 
family, early life like? Yeah, yeah, okay, so good. And I'm, you know, deconstructing, that's just such an interesting thing mm. because I feel like I'm reconstructing. And hmm. uh, uh, so. What do you mean by that? You feel like you're Well, just that I'm continuing to probe, I'm continuing to dig in and make discoveries. I'm reading the book of Isaiah right now, not to get ahead. No, I'm reading good. Isaiah and it's blowing my mind. And one mm. of the things that he, he, he was a prophet. Right. So God's by prophet mean God's spirit was working through him and enabling him to predict the future. Mm. And that's you're in dangerous territory when you're doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are asking for it. Yeah. And he and I just read this thing in chapter like 45, 46, something like that, where he predicted a king that would come in 150 years ahead and what he said is, first Israel, you're going to be hijacked and taken to Babylon, mm. and then and you're going to be there for about seventy years and suffer. And then this king, Cyrus, is going to come and liberate you, destroy Babylon, and enable you to rebuild Jerusalem. It is like a really specific prophecy. Really specific. That was like by integral. Name yeah. by name, he called the cat hundred and fifty years in advance. Huh. And what do you know? Cyrus comes along as a king. He actually read the prophecy and was so touched he decided to do it. Stop it. I am not kidding. And it's like, huh. you know, this is, a, this is a point of history. And Cyrus is considered one of the greatest kings, emperors, leaders in hmm. history. Like hmm. Alexander the Great had better marketing, and so his name, everybody knows that. Yeah. But Cyrus is the guy that people really study now. Isn't so, that interesting? Yeah, so it's in, it is. So you, you mean you're reconstructing in the sense that it's just like you're always learning, you're always building, your faith is going deeper. Yes. That's what you mean. Yes, always, okay. always. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah, so so I, I was raised in New York, a suburb of New York, uh, Mamaroneck. And it's interesting because my, you know, this was a long time ago. <laughs> Right, many moons. So many moons have come and gone, <laughs> and so um, you could make a case that I grew up in a Christian culture, <laughs> if you use that sense. Because, and my family certainly was exemplified Christian principles. Now, no one was a believer; they didn't believe in God, but part of the culture was to exercise principles that that God teaches, like being kind, having mm -hmm. integrity, working hard, you know, understanding that there are consequences for what you do, et cetera. So I had that upbringing, but I, there was no vestige of God. In fact, we were actually thrown out of church. Oh, that's right. You, I forgot you. I only found that out recently. Yeah. My dad had said, you know, not from a believing point of view, but from a, this would be good for the family point of view that we should go to church. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. was you know, short. I was less than a yard high and I didn't like it at all. And I made a mess in <laughs> meaning like you were a toddler, like or under 10. Or I was something a like tyrant. That. Yeah. I was six, eight, okay. 10. And I guess the, I guess the straw that broke it was that they handed me some clay to play with. And I flung it up on the ceiling and stuck it there. And I was just oh. screaming, didn't want to be there. And finally they kindly asked us to leave. Oh, <laughs> we're not coming back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So wow. okay, so you grew up in New York, had very little experience with church, but that was more the culture. Yeah, like none. Like I mean, I had some Catholic friends I used to <laughs> hang out with, but these guys were animals. They were wild. Nothing against Catholic. Mm. They these guys were just wild. I'd go to mass with them 
every so often. Oh. And they would put tape on their fingers and pretend to be putting money in the offering, but they'd snag Stop some it. cash and pull it out. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, and then we'd go out and get oh drunk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was, oh. you know, it was... It Sorry, was, that's the oven that's going off. We got macaroni and cheese. Health goals, cooking. Okay, so that's those. Okay, go on. Yeah, so I had, as, as far as sincere or searching experiences, nada. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. And so anything to do with church was exceptionally peripheral to non-existent. Mm. And that was through not just your childhood, but then up, like through your teen years, you still had no involvement. You were kind of running wild. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was wild. I mean... You know, I've really disappointed my dad when I fessed up to some of the things I did. He didn't even want to hear it because mm. I got away with everything. I didn't get caught, but I was wild, mm. wild. Yeah, he doesn't know everything. <laughs> he didn't know everything. No, he didn't. He didn't. You were like, this is not, we're not going to share the rest. Yeah, my brother took the brunt of being in trouble. Oh. And I was, meanwhile, using that as a smokescreen. I mean, I was, I just pick it, pick it, and I was doing it, you know. So do you feel like when you were... Maybe this is too far of a jump ahead question, but do you feel like in that time when you were living that life, taking money from the offering, whatever, even though that wasn't you, that was your friends, do you feel like you were happy? Like just kind of happy-go-lucky living your life, not really thinking about it? Did you feel kind of like, ugh, something's off? I lived a happy-go-lucky life. I got high a lot. I drank a lot. Mm -hmm. I did, you know, wild stuff. It was, it was hairy. And, um... Um, but when it, by the time I graduated high school, uh, I mean, I hated myself. Mm. I mean, I really did. I did not, I was not happy with the person in the mirror, you know, the man in the mirror. Right. Mm. And so, uh, um, it was when I was growing up, it was an absolute given. And in my family in the Northeast, it was an absolute given. You go to college. Mm. So I went to college and I went to the Midwest and I went with the specific intent of shedding the person I was and becoming someone better. Because mm. I was just, you know, massive. And there was this ache in my heart, which was really interesting. Just that something was, was not right. Something was seriously off. And I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and uh, there was just something missing. So that's the way I went into school. And people wouldn't have necessarily pegged that. Because again, I love having fun. I love getting around people. When I get with people, I'm energized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I love that. Yeah. And I feel like uh, just surface, I don't know. People can hide a lot of things at the surface anyways, and you don't really know what's bubbling underneath. Yes. So you went into, into college specifically with the idea, okay, I'm leaving. I'm, do, were you thinking I'm going to turn a new, I'm turning over a new leaf? Or was it just like, I got to forget this past and just see what lays ahead of me? Like, is that, is that a specific, I don't know if that's a very specific question. Well, yeah, I guess, you, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do at age 18 as far as career, as mm. far as major, mm. no, no idea. Mm. It was given I was going to college, but what I did want to do was change the person I was. I was just really not happy. Mm. And so it was like, whatever I do, I'm going to change, man. You know, I just was not happy and I wanted to change. So, and you didn't. Huh. Well, no. I mean, I tried. So as we went to college, um, you know, there were philosophy courses which I pursued. Um, oh, you did take philosophy courses? Yeah, I took philosophy courses. I actually took, of course, it was kind of mandatory. I took a class that was, it was what is it called? Like, you know, study of the Bible or something like that. 
the Bible as literature or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so the professor's stated objective was to teach this, that the Bible wasn't true. Hmm. And... But I mean, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, I don't believe it's true. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I'm just taking this class for a credit. Yeah. And, you know, he went through and he talked through everything that happened in the Bible. I remember he said that the Moses walking through the Red Sea, it was actually been proven that it was more of a marsh and the land was just dry and he walked through. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I don't care. When's the class done? Yeah. I didn't give a rip. But at the end, our last day, the professor said, I'm really disappointed in you as a class. And he said, because this is the first time I've done this class where I haven't been able to make at least one person fracture, break, and cry in tears. Uh, right? What do you even say to that? I'm... Sorry that that was your stated goal for the semester or your low-key goal, yeah, professor. So, you know, I did, I did think as much as I didn't care, I was like, you're a freaking odd man. You're trying to break people of yeah, their that's faith. Weird. Are you here to teach? Well, so, yeah. So... Whatever. So that was, that was your experience in college. I guess I, I, so you took philosophy courses. Maybe I'll rephrase the question, but did you go to college with the intent of turning over a new leaf, starting over, being a new you, or was it just, let's just see what happens when I wipe the, the slate clean, what my new friends are like, what my new life is like? Yeah, no, I, I definitely wanted to change myself. Mm. So those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. Because I was willing to do all that and see what happens. I had no idea what a career, but I did know I hated me and I wanted to change. And I met mom at, I met mom at university and we connected right away. And I remember, because like, you know, I'd read, I read Confucius, I read Buddhism and no slamming. I just, I read these things and I did not find anything that was remotely satisfying. Hmm. And there were more than once, I remember going to bed and just kind of hitting the pillow and just going, why, man, mm. why, what is this ache and, and what's the solution? What's the resolution? Alcohol didn't do it. Pot didn't do it. And Lord knows I gave it a good shot. Hmm. Uh, you know, um, I'd led, you know, a pretty fluid, uh, relationships, didn't yeah, relationships didn't do it. You know, it just, it was just really driving me crazy. Mm. So by the time I got out of college, this was an issue that was not resolved still. Okay. So you met mom like 19, 18, 19. Yeah. And that was the age, not the year. Yeah. Not nine, not 18, 19. Uh, and mom comes from a Christian background. And I only put quotes because she did kind of go to church growing up. It was a mm -hmm. Lutheran background, mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't really seem to have any memory of like really having any faith. It was just kind of like, okay, this is what we do. It wasn't really like right. a serious thing that she took on. So when you met her, that was still the place she was in, not really like walking out of faith life. Right. Well, let's see. So she didn't seem at all offended that I didn't believe in God. Mm. This wasn't on her. And she certainly wasn't living a godly life. Mm. Right. Neither one of us were. We weren't even aspiring to any of those kinds. Of, I mean, I didn't even know what those principles were, really. Mm. I just knew the basic stuff I grew up with and I was doing other stuff. And, mm. you know, so it was God was not on her radar screen. Yes, yeah, so you were both in, in similar places in that sense. And, yes. And they have kind of a funny, like, get-together story. Like, basically their first date, you right? You, like, moved in together. Well, yeah, we, I mean, our first date was... kind of a side was, note, but not really. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, it wasn't that quick. We got together, we dated Friday, and we didn't move in until Sunday. <laughs> so, like, 48 hours, <laughs> yeah. not 24. Yeah, but it was a good Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so then you moved it, literally on a Sunday, you moved in yeah. together. 
And you guys ended up dating for what, eight years before you got married? Nine seven years, years seven, seven years. Yeah. Okay, seven years before you got married. And that whole time, you guys were not plugged into any kind of faith. Would you have considered yourself agnostic or atheist that whole time? Um, I probably, I don't know, probably atheist, atheist, yeah. So you because, felt pretty convinced that there was no Yeah, problem. I mean, Jesus was a swear word for me. Oh. Yeah, and, and you know, just... Oh, meaning that's just the only context you used it in? Just yes. like in the swear word. Oh, gosh. Yes, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. I it was, was just, no, it was just, you know... A casual... Yeah, it meant nothing. Yeah. When we got married, we had a pastor marry us, and he read... First Corinthians 13, which everyone's familiar, that's the love chapter. Mm -hmm. And he was a horrible, ho sorry, he was a horrible reader. Aww. And so he's, what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. And it cracked me up, man. And I started laughing. And <laughs> that got my brother going and that got Susie going. And so from the background, you could see this pastor reading this thing in four sets of shoulders. <laughs> I mean, it was tears pouring and everything. It was hilarious. So Aww. I was just, you know, not at all. Not yeah, at all. Not at all in that space. Yeah. So, okay. Seven, eight years, you did end up getting married, which that's a whole other thing. Like, didn't mom propose to you or? Yeah. She finally came to me and said, so are we going to get married or what? And I said, truthfully, I said, well, yeah, I just told my mom last week we were getting married. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Well, well, yeah, no, you have a different worldview now. It's not. Yes. You would like, you know, the men in your daughter's life to, quote, do better than that. But it's, absolutely. But it's sweet. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I didn't. I mean, I've never heard that story referred to as sweet. I've heard women drop their drinks and walk away. Oh. And... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I only think it's sweet because I'm only seeing it through the lens of you guys being married for like 40 years. Yeah. Or however long yeah. you've been married. Yeah. So it's like, oh, really, you meant it. You followed yeah. through. Here you are. Yeah. All these years later. Yeah. But then again, when we were going, when we were dating, I said to her, I oh, will yeah. stay with you as long as I love you. Mm. And if I don't love you, then I'm out. Yeah. Right. Now think about that. I mean, what the heck does that mean? Well, that's, I mean, that's a common, it's a common worldview. That is a word worth deconstructing and reconstructing. Love, yes. Oh, like the death, like what people yeah. feel around So what love. do you mean by love? How do you define love? Yeah. Is this gushy Hollywood stuff? Is it, boy, am I, you're really hot and I really want you? Is that love? Yeah. You know, or what the heck is love? Right? Yeah. And I had... I had not given it enough thought to define it. Mm. Well, you're correct in saying even like deconstructing, reconstructing, like people do that within the faith sphere too, because usually when they're talking about faith and deconstructing it at some point that will come up as well. Right. Because Christianity, like so much of it is tied to like the family unit and just the family in general. So then typically alongside of it does come that deconstruction of love and like what that means for someone. So I'm not surprised yeah. that that yeah. was your worldview without, uh, Christ without yeah. believing that there's a creator that created things to be a certain way. Right. So, okay. Eight, eight years you got married. Um, I think it's really interesting how Christ, how God was kind of introduced into your life in a more formal way. Like the, the time that really made an impact. Yeah. So do you want to yeah. share that a little bit? Yeah. 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 So we had, it's, this is a long story, which we're going to really squeeze it. But okay. so I was, a, I was shoulder length hair, guitarist, 
Oh, by the way, Fender is not sponsoring this discussion. But they can. <laughs> yeah, they you can. You guys could sponsor. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. But the and he's still an amazing guitarist. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. Sorry, not to side note it. We did a music video like three years ago, if you never saw it, called In the Blood. It'll probably be on the screen right now. And if you didn't know that I have music, you should definitely check out my Spotify and iTunes. But he is the guitarist, obviously, on that track. Will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? Will I let this woman kill me? Or do away with Jesse's love? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? So he was playing guitar back then too, shoulder yes. length hair. Yeah, shoulder length hair and. Uh... Um, so long story short, a drummer I met talked to me about a business idea and it was a multi-level business, right? And, um, you know, don't let that just, this, that was then, right? So they had, um, I was interested. I came and saw a business presentation and I liked these people and even more amazing, they liked me, right? (laughs) And, uh, but that could be written off to just, you know, trying to get their greedy little claws into me, Mm. Right. They could have been faking that, but, you know, it seemed sincere. It was a good vibe. Yeah. And so as I studied, I said, you know what? I want to learn how to do this. This looks good. And I went to one of the guys and said, so what do we need to do? And he said, well, if you're serious, if you really want to learn this, you should come to a weekend leadership conference. And we were living in Southern California at the time. And I said, okay, great. Where is that? And he said, Miami. And I said, the only Miami I know is in Florida. And he's like... You're smart. You are smart. <laughs> and we didn't, I mean, we were broke. We mm. did not have the, you know, a trip to Miami. You've got to be kidding. Mm. And so it was a real gut-wrenching, stomach-wrenching, how are we going to pull this off type thing. I ended up taking some gigs with a guy I affectionately called Melon Belly because his stomach was really big as guitar was out here. And he... <laughs> Hated me, and he would maybe because you call him Melon Belly. Well, and, his back. <laughs> yes, yes. He was so offensive. He insulted me regularly on stage. Oh, I mean, it was really bad. Oh. And it, for me, it was. It was very painful. Mm. And like mm. when he'd introduce the band, he would ignore me. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. Etiquette so, goals. So it was this. Yeah, it was this real fight to. Uh, I was just making sure it was recording. Yeah, that's fair. You. That's fair. Keep going. So it was so, a real fight. So it was a real fight to make the money to pull the cash together to go to Florida. So we flew to Florida and we go there, and it's this phenomenal event. And these people are talking things. They're talking about principles of life. So they were talking business, but they were talking about things that really resonated with me mm. about you know, hard work and having a vision for your life and becoming your best self and Mm. being kind to other people and even loving people and love is a commitment. Mm. And so they taught these principles. I was like, whoa, this is good. Even though they're wearing suits and ties and I'm like this, right? And and then they said they were going to do an optional church service Sunday morning. And Sue's mom wanted to go. And I'm Mm. like, okay, Mm. whatever. So I'll go to your, you go to church. So we go to this church service and I'm like, oh God. Oh. And I mean, I just was not paying attention. And, mm-hmm. and people started to get up and, and there was some hubbub going on up front. It wasn't a big room either. I was just really like, you know, and then mom stood up 
You're talking about at an altar call. Well, it was an altar call, yeah, yeah. but I didn't even realize that. That's oh, how out of it I was. You were just checked out, and then you're like, why is mom standing Yeah, and mom's standing up, and she started walking forward, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what? the bathroom's back, that because I assume she's going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I pointed back there, and then she kept going, and then I was like, click. Oh, there's a religious thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going all. They're going up front, mm. and then I had this, and like it was like in this instant, it was like, oh no, this is a freaking cult. <laughs> um, and oh no, mm. you got to believe in God to do this thing. Mm. And here's my whole weekend and my whole flight, <laughs> flush down the toilet. And I've lost my wife. Now she's joined the religious cult, mm. and I stormed out of the place. I ran out, kind of. Actually, I was. I was upset. So I went out. I used to smoke then. So I went out and had a smoke, had a couple smokes, crying, Mm. just really upset. And so mom came out. She found me and she was scared. I didn't realize what was going on with her because she said internally with her, she felt like God said to her, she felt like God, first of all, she was hearing God. And she felt like God said, stand up, make a stand for me and go forward. And she's like, no. Mm. And he's like, make a stand and go forward. She said, no. Why not? Because if I do, I'm going to lose the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Which was me, which means she hadn't had a lot of good happen to her, no. right? And so, so it was a real ballsy move for her to go up and go forward mm. because she felt like she was jeopardizing me. And then when she came back, I was gone, right? Mm. And so we had, we reconnected and I cried and stuff and I said, this is done, this is ruined. And then she connected me with one of our upline gurus who said, look, look, look. He said, we want the best for you. And word this, you don't have to be a Christian to do business. We will do business with you whether you are or not. We wanted to offer this as an opportunity, and we, but we love you, Dirk. We'll work with you. And we'll take you as you are. Mm. And um, actually, I somehow ironically thought, you're just using me to get to get get stuff from me, get my stuff, right? And he said, think about it. What do you have that we would want? Oh. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. No, really. And I was like, oh, God, he's got a good point. Because, yeah. you know, we had nothing. So we spent, you know, upset and crying. And, you know, I bridged, we bridged relationships. I bought her a cross. Oh. <laughs> right? And she's like, uh, you know, I, yeah, I said, honey, you've got your cross. I've got my cigarettes. We all need our own crutches. Mm. That was my attitude. Right. Mm. So a a couple days later, she said, she said, look, have you ever actually read the Bible? And I'm like, no. I mean, I took that course, but I didn't really read it then. Yeah. She said, have you read the Bible? I said, no. And she said, well, don't you think you should at least read it so you can make a decision based on intelligence. And I was like, uh, boy, I ought to. And, and the next day, we got a Bible in the mail from our, one of our upline guys wow. that had a note, Dirk and Susie, we love you. We want the best for you. Just 10 minutes a day in this book will change your life. Wow. Love, Jim and Teresa. And... So, okay, so I, this was a long, depressing summer, but I started reading the Bible. Hmm. And um, let's see, I'm trying to remember. I, 
John was the book that really nailed me. I went, first he said, read Proverbs. I called it Proverbs. But he said, they said, read Proverbs because this is written by the wealthiest man that's ever lived and this is wisdom of the ages. And I wanted wisdom. I needed it. I was desperate. So I read that. I really, I mean, I was like, this is good. Then I started reading John and I, you know, so a lot of it I didn't get. I didn't understand what, in many cases, what Jesus was talking about. It was just a little what, but, but the overall vibe I got was really good. And I remember at one point saying to mom, what is, what does this book have to do with some of those, some of those televangelists that have seen that, you know, they they talk about Jesus and you know some of those guys, right? So you're just basically saying that what you were reading in the Bible and the the vibe and the seriousness of what you were picking up on and connecting with was not the same energy as what you had seen and thought was represented as Christianity on television. Yes, yes, and you know, uh, forgive me for making such a broad stroke because no, okay. it one it was coming from ignorance. And two, I know there are good people on TV, but we also know there there's have been... There's bad people. There's bad people, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not the So worst. I just bulked everyone yeah. into bad people. But so, but it was just, it was just striking to me reading Jesus. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it was making an impression. It was making a dent. <laughs> and I spent uh, most of the summer like sleeping 12 hours a day because I was really depressed hmm. and then reading the Bible and reading about Jesus and wow. these principles and stuff. And so, you know, it, it took a while, but I was starting to get a little bit of traction. And uh, then they had another convention. <laughs> and, Good old convention. And, and, oh, man. And again, this one, I, you know, where's this one? North Carolina. North Carolina, that's great. That's Just much a little cool. far from California. That's great. So we really squeezed it to get there. And um, there was actually two things going on as a side note. One was that we'd heard that the business that we were in was a scam and a fraud. Mm. So I'm questioning the Bible and I'm questioning this business. And so I said, mm. okay, we're going to go to this business. We're going to go to this conference to quit. Mm. Right. And what we're going to do is, and we did this. We, this was in a coliseum. There were like, I don't know, 20,000 people there. Wow. And mom and I stood up at the front, stood at the front, you know, like looking at these people. Are you full of crap? Oh my gosh. You know, are you a liar? And we were like in their face and really watching. And each one was like, no, that, that guy was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, no, she seems sincere. She seemed good. In fact, one of the speakers was the guy that, do you remember the book, The Magic of Thinking Big? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The author of that book was there, and he called mom up on stage. Really? Yes. And I don't even remember what For they did. For some, like, presentation? Some, Put like... Put this hat on your head. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And see the two yeah, glasses exactly. or whatever they did. I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah. But... You know, that's a good book, by the way. That was a uh, like a pivotal book in giving me a certain like lens set. Me too, me too. Which I got from mom's mom's dad. Mom's dad gave you that book. He had it on his bookshelf while we were in Iowa, and he was dying. I went downstairs, and it had this. Here's this old book with one of those kaleidoscope things that looked like called the magic of thinking big and all what the heck is this and i started reading it it was like whoa so it's really like why does that surprise me that he had that 
It just surprises me that he had that book. I don't know. He never struck me as a big thing. That's what I, I just like. I, yeah, I'm surprised. I don't know. But, Maybe he didn't read it. Yeah. But so we go to the so we do this whole weekend convention, and it's and it's really good. The whole thing was really good. And then they have a Sunday morning service, and mom wants to go, and I'm like, "Can you smoke?" Yeah. Said no. So we go in there and I try to weasel our way up into the way back. And then mm. she said, let's sit down up front. I said, it's too crowded up front. And she goes, there's two seats. Oh my gosh. So we go down, we sit down in the front and they bring this preacher on and he's got a Southern accent, you know, you know, from the South. And again, I'm a New Yorker, right? So nothing personal guys. Yeah. But in my mind at that point in time, if you had a Southern accent, you automatically deduct 20 points yeah. from your IQ. Yeah. I just, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to listen to Jethro. And oh, it's so sad not to derail you, but it's so sad because that was, that's such a purposeful, in my mind, thing from the media to paint Southerners as stupid. Yes. That's what you had been fed. That's what I'd been fed. Oh. That's what I believed. Anyways, so and, shout out to all you Southerners. Right, right. On. And so Pastor Jethro yeah. <laughs> locks eyes with me. And I mean, this was a big audience and he locked eyes with me. Hold and on, he's, hold that sentence and you're going to have to repeat it because... Jethro just went down the street. I was a gremlin. Yeah. Okay, so so, so he locks eyes he, he with He locked you. eyes with me. He was really good speaker. Hmm. And kind of his what he got to this summary point where he said, Look, he said, if you are correct, me, if you are correct that there is no God and all these other people are incorrect. They're still living a happy, fulfilled lives. They're doing well. Their relationships are good. Mm. They're at peace and they're content. He said, but if you're wrong that there, is no, that there isn't a God, if you're wrong and they're right, not only will you live a miserable life now, but the second you die, you'll realize you've made a horrible mistake. Mm. And that pinged me. I went, oh. And then he said, if... You are uncertain where you're going to spend eternity after you die. Raise your hand. And I was uncertain. And then... So you did raise your hand. I raised my hand. And he said, okay, uh, that, are you willing to turn your life over to God? And he went through, he talked through this process about realizing that God loves us and that Jesus was God's son and he came to earth to live the life or model the life that we're the ideal life that we should aspire to. Mm. And then living this phenomenal life, he took the punishment that we're all due. You're due punishment. You know it. I'm due punishment for, you know, all the things I've done, mm. all the lies, all the cheats, all this, you know, all the things, right? Mm. And he took that punishment so that God who loves us, but can't stand the culprit, see the, uh, Culpritcy. Yeah, like being a culprit, like being doing wrong things, mm, mm. doing sin is what they call it in the Bible. Uh, doing those things, he's, he, God can't stand that. He doesn't like it. Like, well, why doesn't he like it? Because if I sin, and I do, if I sin, I'm hurting somebody. It's myself and oftentimes other people. Mm. And he loves people so much he doesn't want us to do that. Mm. So Jesus paid the price for our sins, died, then rose from the dead to prove, cha-ching, that I he's am got who the authority. I say I am. Yes, yeah. and I got authority over that. So 
I did this. I went up front and I actually made mom come with me because when I stood up, my knees were going like that. Aww. And then they had, they had us go through a prayer and I couldn't get the words out. I know I'm talking too much, sorry. No. But I couldn't get the words out and I, I, I choked him out. Then one of our uplines was an evangelist. You mean like the repenter's prayer? That's yeah, the repentance words. prayer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I asked, I, 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 I confessed that I'd been a sinner and I asked God to forgive me the sins and ask Christ to come into my heart. Mm. And, and so I did that. And then one of our uplines who was a um, evangelist, he knew me. So he didn't believe this. So he came down and like he pulse checked me or litmus checked and he went through the whole thing again. To and make he, sure you understood what you were even saying. Yes, to, to see, was this just an emotional moment or do you really mean it? Mm -hmm. And so we went through with him again and then he's like, wow, okay. And then Yahoo and there's a little celebration. <laughs> and then I was like, get me out of here. I got to get out of here. So I slipped away, went outside the back, got alone, lit up a cigarette, you know, it's like, and realized that the hole in my heart was filled. Whoa. Right? So that whole, Whoa. all that life was like, my God, this is real. I mean, this is legit. Like I was doing my best to believe, but I'm like, oh, this is, wow. this is the real deal. Wow. And I mean, I was tattered to smithereens. And, and so... Uh, this was a very moving moment for me. Mm. And so I went back in and I said, okay, all right. And so from here forward, here's the thing. Here's the hypothesis. Mm. I said, okay, God is real. You cannot take that away from me. <laughs> and that his communication to us, one of his primary communications is through scripture or the Bible, right? And so I said, okay, I'm diving into that thing because mm. I, I want to learn mm -hmm. and grow mm -hmm. and it became apparent to me pretty quickly that the main point of all this is that we're to study follow emulate jesus and share that news with other people mm. who are like me and so since age 27, that's what I've been doing. That's been my thing. Since 27? Yeah. And so now you're on 40, so 40 years of almost of Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I mean, that's pretty remarkable that <clears throat> 27 is a long time to live with a very distinct feeling. I mean, I dealt with some nausea, guys, earlier in the year, and I dealt with it from like December through, honestly, up until like three weeks ago. And just that feeling, like since it's lifted, it's like such relief. Yeah, yeah. But I can't imagine feeling, yeah, just such a distinct, like you said, like a hole, and then having it be like instantly changed. Yes. Um, yeah, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, that is pretty mind-blowing. And... Yeah, I don't, I don't even, I just, I, I feel like that's such a, a pivotal point in all of this. The fact that you went so long feeling one way and then you had that encounter, that repentance prayer, that moment before the Lord of humbling yourself and telling him that you wanted him to be with you and then you felt an instant. Right? I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy because it isn't, I mean, you know, it isn't based on a feeling, but for me, yeah, yeah. the fact that that hole was filled and that I felt that, I was, I was just boggled and mind blown and grateful and stunned and humbled 
and and realize I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am like a BB in a boxcar, man. I'm just, hmm. I just, you know, I've got so much to learn now. Hmm. And it, you know, they talk about worldview and that means how you view the world, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you process, what do you think of things? Like we're talking about love, right? So what does love really mean, right? Mm. And, you know, for the early part of my life, it was closely connected to lust. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was. Yeah. And, uh, and sentiment, well, if I don't like you anymore, I'm obviously I don't love you anymore and it's time to go. Yeah. And um, I mean, this is sensitive and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I don't, honestly, I don't. And I'm not, I'm not judging at all, but I've had friends who've, well, I've got a relative who was married to her husband, got wayward in her thinking, decided, she didn't love him anymore, mm. and away she went, only to later realize, what have I done? Oh, my gosh. What have I done? And you go, well, that's fair, isn't it? Well, that's, not, you know, here's the interesting thing. Wait, what's is, fair? Oh, you know, she decided she didn't love him anymore, so she can go oh, away, Oh, that's right? what I mean. Okay, yeah. And, you know, so that's fair, and it's a prerogative, but it's not the way God would... Mm would recommend or teach mm. what we do and it's been so interesting this is this is getting into the whole deconstruction thing mm, mm. because you think about it and this is just me rambling right but when you think about it okay god made me yeah all right so who am i to lecture him well yeah that's it right there yeah yeah it's like Maybe I should try and figure out what his thinking is. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff on the plus side. If I'm God's, you know, he loves me. He cares for me. He wants to bless me. These are benefits. But then you start seeing things like, oh, well, love is a commitment. Love is a verb. Love is a decision. Love is patient. Love is sacrificial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you start reading these things and going, oh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I knew that. I'm not sure. I'm willing to conform to that. Mm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. This is interfering with my personal wants and desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to lose weight, but I want to eat pizza. Mm -hmm. So you start to make you start to weigh these things out, right? And. Huh, and of course, the world is selling us. I love pleasure. Can you tell? I love, <laughs> I love pleasure, right? But at what price? Yeah, well, they, it, it's funny because they're selling that in the world, but they know what they're selling because I think if you look at Pinocchio, right? Like Pleasure Island, yeah. it's like they know, what they know where it leads. They know what they're selling whether they like know it or not, but yeah, you know, really I'm good. conspiratorial enough to think that a lot of them do know it just saying that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what you said about believing that like you've been created and that the creator knows how you're supposed to live. I heard there's this guy that I, I think it'll be up before this point. I'm talking to a pastor on Instagram in the month of June. And when he has a video on his Instagram page where he like tries to do a really short synopsis of the gospel and that's almost one of the first things he says is like, believe, it's believing that there's a creator 
who's told you how you should live and that because you believe there's a creator, you, you trust him and you're going to try to live the way he's told you how to live. Right. Um, and it's interesting that like, yes, it was a feeling for you when you, yes, when you converted, like you had that, that Holy spirit filled moment where you felt the change, but also your life then proceeded to change. So like, according to mom, as you dove into the word, as you learned those principles more, as you were, you were filled with the Holy spirit as time unfolded that God's ways and his principles really, uh, moved through you and that you were changed. Like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know you back then. I was, <laughs> I was still in your balls. Um, <laughs> but mom says that you changed dramatically. Like every once in a while, mom will get all teary eyed and be like, your father's changed so much. And obviously the core of who you are is the same. You're who she fell in love with, but like, there's obviously something about you that completely flipped your commitment. I don't know your, your work ethic, your, your thoughts maybe being more consistent. I don't know. Cause I know you've mentioned before, I don't know anything about Jack Kerouac, but I know you've mentioned him before as being like an on the road again, type of dude <laughs> yes. that you really admired. Yeah. And that I'm assuming all of that changed once you were really diving into God's principles. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And Kerouac, I don't even know if I remember it right anymore, but the way he'd impressed me and at least the way I lived it out was you live for the moment, you live for the now and do what you want to do and grab what you can and drink yeah. what you can. This is all you have. You yes, this is it. Uh-huh. This uh -huh. is it. I'm like very materialist. Yes. That's the phrase. Yes. Very materialist. Yeah. In the, in the classical sense of the word. And, and, um, there's this line in scripture that says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you spend time like nose to nose with God uh, and really, you know, I want to know you. <sighs> oh, no. Cut. <laughs> Do you stop it or you? No, sorry, I don't care. They don't care either. <laughs> yeah, it's when you spend time with him, he changes you. Mm. And that's what he wants to do. Mm. I mean, that's what he wants to do. Because he, he wants, believe it or not, the best for us. And who better to know what's best for us than the best, than the creator, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. The one that made the earth, the one that set the foundations, the one that built the stars. I saw this um, video by uh, Billions and B Carl Sagan. Hmm. Why do I know that name? He's a TV scientist that talked okay. about billions and billions of stars. Yeah. And it was this thing of the earth, a picture of the earth. And you, I know you've seen this. It's a picture of the earth, and then you're going farther away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Right? And soon you see that just this planet and other planets and then the galaxy, and it gets so big. And his, his conclusion is that there's no God. And I, think, I thought, my, why? That's interesting, because my conclusion is just the opposite. I know. Well, it's fascinating, because side note, without getting off on a tangent, but just to piggyback on that, there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of believers that don't even, they don't even believe in like the globe earth model. Yeah. And they're not just Christians. There's a lot of like engineers, scientists, people that don't believe in the globe earth model and people close to me in my life that don't believe in the globe earth model. And I, I can see why they believe that not only in their faith, but they believe that also when it comes to just like science and engineering and all of that. 
okay, but if I don't know which one I believe in, I don't take a camp in that because I don't know that it really matters. Although I see why some people say it does matter. But if that's true, right, let's say that that's true, the globe earth model is correct and we are in a galaxy on galaxies on galaxies, I come to the same conclusion either way. I can, I can see why someone would come to that conclusion and people that don't believe in the globe earth model say that that's exactly the goal. The goal is to make you feel like so tiny and like, oh, see, there could be no God. We're just a result of chaos and things exploding and I don't matter and I'm so tiny. Yeah. And they'll say that's the goal of the whole thing is to make you feel insignificant. But in my mind, because I haven't decided on a camp, I don't sit in either side, I still don't see it that way because I still see it. Oh, and I, I consider it a gift, okay? I consider it a gift from the Lord that I still see creation in that. I still see like, well, but how... That doesn't make sense to me that that could explode out of nowhere. Like, what is that that phrase ex ex nihilo, where they can't figure out how to create something out of nothing? Right. And that's the whole thing is like, how how would okay? So there was a bang. What? Where did the bang come from? Right. Who set the fuse? Yeah. How did that go off? Right. Um. So it doesn't. We still can't do that. We still can't create something from nothing. So right. either side of the camp, I'm like, I still see a creator here, and I do feel like that's a gift because, and they say that in the Bible, right? Like some people, they cannot see; they're blinded. Yes. So I'm grateful for not being blinded to that because even when I have, you know, moments of fogginess and not quite sure of of like what I think about God when I've had those moments, it's like, man, I still just can't deny. It seems so evident that there's a creator. Like, right. where did this come from? Right. What are we doing here? Right. You know, totally and even agree. the idea of a soul, which goes to the whole like pro-life thing. But once again, we go back to a different worldview. It's like, I don't like something is not created out of nothing. Like God made it. So from the moment of conception in my mind, that's a, that's a soul. That's a person. They don't have value simply because like there's this, some atheist or person that contributed to the humanist manifesto said this thing that like existence and essence are not the same. You can exist without having an essence. If I'm saying that right, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the view is, um, yeah, you can exist, but you're not really you. So like a fetus, like because you don't have memories because you haven't contributed to society, no one else knows who you are. Like you might exist, but you don't have an essence, but I believe because people are created and you can't have something out of nothing. No, they're them from the beginning. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know why I got off in the space. You were talking about Carl Sagan yeah, yeah. and just seeing the galaxies. And I don't yeah. remember what the connecting thought to that was, why yeah. you started saying Well, that. just he and I, I arrived at a completely oh, different yes. conclusion. Uh -huh. Like, of course God made this. And the, and what's, you know, it's annoying about me and this may shows how small minded I am, but not, it's just the way it is. Um, those bigger discussions, you know, it, you know, is the earth flat or is it round or mm -hmm, is it, mm -hmm. you know, they're okay. They're interesting, but I don't really care. I don't think most people care. Yeah. I mean, the, to me, the bigger issue is I'll tell you that I, I'm going to, you know, you ever hear these people that say, uh, you know, your, your purpose or your mission statement, you're, you know, try to put it down into one word. What would your one word be? Mine mm -hmm. is love. Mm. And I've known that all my life. Mm. My, and it's love. And to the bigger issue to me is, how does that play out this afternoon? Mm. How does that play out with my son yeah. when he asks me to do something I don't want to do? Yeah. And unfortunately, it often plays out bad. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, I'll get grumpy. I'll get, you know. And, uh, yeah, no, I get what you And mean. then to my, sh I'm like, ah. You know, but that's the bigger thing. How am I going to love... How am I going to be with other people? How am I going to follow Christ and learn from him 
Because he was really good at that. I mean, what, you know, one of the things that just was so odd is, okay, so he's God, and they say heaven has got streets of gold. I mean, the cat was living a little, you know, whatever kind of lifestyle he had, and he completely, voluntarily came down. It's almost like God said, okay, all right, I'm going to show you how to do it. Mm. And I'm going to do it with panache. I'll do it with style. I'm going to be a human from starting from whoop, starting from climbing down through the canal in a stable, no less, living a very humble life, being submitted to his family, being a hard, and then going out and doing what? All he did was walk around and brag on his father and heal people or serve them. And sometimes it would be, you know, a miraculous healing. And that was to, and he was doing that to say, that gives me cred. Yeah, I am who I say I am. Right? Yeah. yeah. I am who I am. Boom. Right? So that's credibility. So listen to me, listen to me. And then teaching people principles of life and teaching people how to look at life. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's the heaviest dude I've ever met. Mm. He's remarkable. Yeah. There's nobody like him. Like, period. And that, even just that alone, if you're like, I don't know about this or not. Well, look. How many, here's something that blew my mind once I, when, when I became a disciple, a mm. disciple of someone who follows Christ. Like, I'm going to learn this guy. One of the things that amazed me is how many people use his name for a swear word. Hmm. I can't, I was thinking the other day, I can't think of one person that's used my name for a swear word. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. so what's the deal with that? For 2,000 years, mm-hmm. he's still... I mean, you know, that's like, that's like elusive marketing, isn't it? No, I know. And it made me think when we paused and I was talking about just Christians that I know that have gone left and they've deconstructed or they've just become much more progressive and liberal minded, even in their interpretation of scripture and the fact that they don't see it as like, um, factual, they see it as like a lot of what's the, like allegories, like stories and kind of just things meant to encourage us, um, it, it brings me not to circle back to the flat earth thing, but I will say the reason why so many people are passionate about it is because they feel like we are being deceived all around in so many different ways. And when you look at people using Jesus's name in vain, it's like, well, they don't believe that he's who he said he was. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be saying they that, no. you know, you look at Islam and like, you can't, so many people, you can't use Muhammad. You can't make those jokes uh, because they are serious about it and it's not tolerated. They'll cut your head off. Potentially, you know, I'm not even scared to leave that in there. (laughs) That's what you say. That's what it is. Yeah, it it is what it is. And it's like, but we live in a culture that just, that doesn't view the Bible with the same reverence um, that Jesus was and is who he said he was and is. And so there's just so much like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just like make believe. It's I'm yeah. not finding an elegant word for that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's the the seriousness um, that it is what people what we what he said he you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's not taken that way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it's heavy and it's remarkable because when you hear Jesus start vamping about the future, you know, I mean, when you really look at all right, so when you really look at how Jesus lived and what he did and what he taught. Uh, where's the big offense when he says, he says, one person says an eye for an eye in revenge and I, but I, Jesus, I say, love your enemies. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for them. What's wrong with that? Is that offensive? Do you want me to answer you? No, I'm so okay. sort of rhetorical. Because I was like, because... I can answer. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. If you got an answer, I go. think I have an answer. I think that it's the it's the call to repentance. It's that you are a sinner, and I think people don't don't a believe in sin, right? Okay, good. And, and b uh, if if they do, they don't they don't want to repent from it because the life that he called us to live and that seems to be exemplified in the Bible. Um, is not the same lifestyle that's being promoted now in media yeah. primarily, but has seeped its way into, you know, culture as well. It's like people will say we live in like a post-truth world or like a post-Christian world. Which and we it's do. like that's that's all I vibe all the time now. Yes. Like I recorded a video recently that I didn't put up because I'm not sure if I'm going to put it up talking about sex outside of marriage. And I realized as I'm talking in this video, like the thoughts are turning, and I'm like, I don't even know the last time I've seen anything anywhere on television or movies where the general idea of the way it was presented was like this is for marriage it's never ever presented that way so i think it's all of those tenets that jesus generally promoted that people don't like and and so it turns them to either walk away from it they don't want to accept that they don't want to live that life they don't believe that that's the right life to live right. they don't believe that you know good fruit's going to come from that right. so that's why i think people they, they feel like they have to either reinterpret it or they want nothing to do with it because they don't want to live that life yeah 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 so right and that and i agree with that to me the point you just made is we're talking about the cutting point between do I choose a life of sin, you yeah. know, selfish desire, or do I choose to follow Christ? Yeah. And the, the point I was making is, let's say you're hovering over that line or thinking about it, or you're deconstructing. Okay, so when you look at how Christ lived and what he did with his life, how he lived his life, there's nothing horrible about that. But the only people he got mad at were the power religious leaders that were dumping responsibilities onto their followers while they lived the fat, happy life. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? The mm -hmm. rich life. Mm -hmm. They lived the, you know, so they were burdening other people. Those are the only people he really got mad at. Others he reasoned with, mm. right? Or he was kind to, and he helped so many people. So, and yet living that lifestyle, he said, predicting the future, he said, people are going to hate you because you love me. Mm. He said, and don't be surprised. He said, if they, if, if they hate you because they hated me. And, <laughs> and so he would live this life and, it's, and it, the responses were very diverse and very divisive. And that goes right to all the points you were making there because you're making a decision about Am I going to live a life of sin and selfishness or am I going to live a life of love and devotion? Oh, you can't separate those two. Well, if you look at, a, at how God describes or defines the term love, yeah, they are mutually exclusive. And I don't want to oppress, I don't want to hurt anyone, neither does God. Although he will test us to develop our, our character. But what God does have is he knows how we operate. And he has said, You've, if you follow these steps, you're going to have a life of inner peace and contentment. Mm. And there, that will be there. Not without struggle, not without challenge, and even in spite of persecution. 
but there is, as he says, there's no peace for the wicked. And, mm. and he knows. And that's what you felt. Yes. You felt the no peace. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm just saying from my experience, the way it's been, I felt no peace. Now I have peace. I'm still profoundly mystified by Jesus. Mm. And I still love walking over things that I've read and rereading them and saying, you roll, man. How he does things is mm. just so impressive to me. Mm. It's very interesting, too, because I was talking to a friend yesterday about baptism. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, down at the lake, we were supposed to have... They, the Church of Satan was going to be doing unbaptisms on people. Um, and we were saying how... And you would probably know better than me, or maybe even in this conversation. But apparently, like people used to be baptized into like a government. Like you'd be baptized as a citizen of like Rome. And so it. apparently when John the Baptist started baptizing people into the faith, um, that was kind of like a direct affront, if that's the word, mm. to, to Rome, if I'm repeating this right. Um, and I think it's really interesting because a lot of people that have deconstructed tend to be very like pro-government, like pro-secular government. And it's interesting looking back, like that kind of, was it's like it was Jesus and then the Pharisees and the other groups. I always think of the Pharisees, but I know that there were more of them. And then it's like there was Rome. And so a lot of these people will say, oh, life would just be better without faith. We just, we can have secular government, secular humanism, secular. But whenever I hear a lot of these people talk about it, I think, man, depending on how you want to word this, like you are treating it like a religion. It's, it's the same type of like, uh, devotion and, and mindset. And so it's a matter of like, who are you going to serve? Right. Who are you going to bow down to? Um, and there is so much, I feel like hostility within, uh, secularism, I guess you could say the government at this point, honestly, um, against not only faith, but families and Christianity. Uh, so I just, I don't even know really the point I'm trying to make. It's just very interesting that people who will think, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not doing, it's like, you're, you're still choosing to worship something, at least in, in my worldview, that's what I tend to see walked out. It's like, there's still a worship here that's happening yeah. Yeah. and a submission that's happening, but who are you going to submit to? And yeah, what do you think is going to be the best? Yeah. Yeah. Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody, right? There we go. <laughs> right. And there are ramifications to who you serve. Yes. Because what you follow, you become. Yes. And there are, you Oof. know. Sorry, yes, that's exactly. There are ramifications. Yeah. Like when people talk about the slippery slope, it's like, it's not that it's a slippery slope. There's some apologists that I follow that made, like they made such an impact in my brain that it's like, no, no, no. It's that if you understand their core thought, all of the things that follow after only make logical sense. So now there's professors supposedly assuming this wasn't fake. You guys know that I'm always like supposedly over everything. There's a Zoom video that's circulating of this college professor talking about basically sexualizing children and how there's nothing wrong with that and adult child relationships, there's nothing wrong with it. And because of the apologists that I've been uh, exposed to, 
Don't worry, Dan's just taking out the mac and cheese. Uh, because of the apologists I've been exposed to and this this kind of thing I've picked up on, I feel like I tend to spot this now. Like, mm -hmm. okay, that's their worldview and I can kind of see where the logic goes. So it doesn't surprise me that they're there. I don't see it as a slippery slope. I see it as a natural extension of their core worldview. So when you said there's ramifications to who you follow and who you worship, I feel like some people don't, they don't realize that. And then... For example, this event that was happening, it's like once some people found out that the Church of Satan was going to be there, they're like, oh, wait, never mind. I don't know if we can be involved in this event. And I'm thinking, what what, what did you think? Like, this is a this is that that same train of thought um, and coming from that same core position. I'm sorry, I ripped you off of a path you were already No, no, on. no, no. That's you, you said it much better than I would. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. Yes. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it startles people. I think sometimes they don't realize like, how did we get here? It's like, that's, that was the path we were already on. Yes. You just didn't maybe know it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really, exactly. I mean, geez, speaking of which I'm very grateful, uh, that the Lord rocked your world that he picked you up and put you and that you answered and, and that I have been, you know, blessed enough to not only be raised in a Christian home, but like the principles that extended from that and were in our family. You know, I mess up. I continue to mess up. Um, so really the credit goes to God. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm pointing at him with my low score card cause he's, it's remarkable what he's done. It's amazing. Cause on the one end you reap what you sow on the other mm. hand, you turn to Christ. He forgives us. He forgives us. And uh, I need forgiveness every day. I mean, I know that's a, you know, I mean, I can, I've got two specific things yesterday. I blew so badly. Boo. Boo. But I got forgiveness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's the thing. There's a difference between just being like, I can do whatever I want and I'm forgiven yeah. versus trying to, you know, I, I don't even like the word trying, but we'll use the word trying. I think you know what I mean. It's like trying to to search after the Lord's heart and align with the principles that that He's calling us to align with. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just I feel lucky to have benefited from all of that. And it's really amazing. It's really amazing to look at like wow, like life can change so much, you know, and yeah. families can change so much, and God can move so powerfully in a family. And I just am grateful. Yeah. I'm yeah, grateful. me too. I'm grateful for you, honey. I learn a lot from you. I'm but, very wise. But only when I listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all keep going. Yes, go on. I learn a lot from you too, Dad. It's true. <laughs> I was kind of bummed because I had hoped I had hoped to finish your book before we did the interview. But I'm mm. still only at the halfway point because you don't have an audible version. Let's be real. I'm currently attempting to do same page summer, which is this like Bible reading plan where it's like everybody around the world's on the same pages. Wow. And they have like Facebook groups and whatever. Wow. Haven't read a single word. I can only listen. So yeah. I'm it's genuinely hard for me. But on that note, I will say this too. He's an incredible writer from what I've read. <laughs> Just such a crappy daughter. Um, no, he really is. And as you could tell from his talking, he's got a really great way with words and storytelling. And, you know, he's been writing his whole life. He didn't dip into, obviously, other parts of his history, living in Paris and writing abroad. And 
he's quite the artist and mm. it's it, I always joke about you being like it's like yeah my dad's pretty he's pretty artsy fartsy like <laughs> you know and I and I love that and if you want to check out some more of his work his writings are online he has them hosted on his blog I've gotten messages from you guys in the past that some of his posts have like really blessed you and that you've really enjoyed his writings so I'm gonna have his link down below he's totally embarrassed and cringing as I'm, I'm saying it but it's it's fine he needs to get over it he's approaching 70 now and people can read his work and he'll just deal with it yes and it's fine yeah I put out a lot of stuff on the internet that I'm all <laughs> do do you know how do I feel about that but you know you learn and you adapt and you know you're your own worst critic and he's critic critic and he's worth reading so check it out I'll link him down below and thank you for being my first guest back on tea talk and yeah. and sharing your heart and your story and your your journey I think it's really important for people to be reminded of what an experience of life can look like before Christ before accepting that you've been created and and uh, yeah accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart and I think it's really cool that you just you shared that with us thanks honey I'm honored you'd ask cool alright I love you I love you too